Welcome to this episode of UMC, Ministry on the Cutting Edge. This is a podcast of the Susquehanna Conference of the United Methodist Church. Each podcast features leaders from around our annual conference and the wider connection, sharing innovative and inspiring ideas for ministry on the cutting edge, ideas worth sharing. I'm Victoria Rebeck, and I'm Director of Connectional Ministries for the Susquehanna Conference. I began this position on March 16th of this year, and March 16th is the only day I worked in the conference office on Mulberry. The next day, we followed the recommended protocols for slowing the spread of COVID-19, which meant that any of us who could work at home started working at home. Uh, We thought that'd be two weeks, but that's uh, what we've been doing ever since. Gradually, I am getting to know more United Methodists and Susquehanna Conference, and I have to say I'm very impressed with their warmth and hospitality and their commitment to being beacons of God's love. I'm looking forward to meeting even more Susquehanna United Methodists and seeing even more of this beautiful commonwealth. Joining me on this podcast is Scott McKenzie. He's partner and senior vice president of Horizon Stewardship. Horizon Stewardship. Horizons has been a great resource for Susquehanna United Methodists, really people all around the country, as we build up our capacity to fund ministries that change the world and invite others into Christian discipleship. He's going to help us think through ways to encourage people to continue to support their churches during this time of a pandemic. Welcome, Scott. Well, thank you, Victoria. It's good to, good to be with you and especially good to uh, share in your ministry with, uh, with the wider conference. Uh, is there anything you'd like our listeners uh, to know about you that I didn't mention? Uh, just that this is my home. Uh, I, I live down in York and I am a uh, elder in the Susquehanna Conference and very grateful uh, to be appointed by Bishop Park to this extension ministry as a partner with Horizon Stewardship and and really what has been a partnership with many, many churches throughout this conference. Excellent. So I'm sure some of our people know you already. I hope so. <laughs> I do too. Um, so I think I'll give a little background before we start our convers- conversation. Um, and uh, let's, so let's talk about Church People's Generosity right now, June 2020. And as we're having this conversation, the world is facing up to the terrible reality of ongoing racial justice. We are also in the midst of the pandemic of COVID-19, a contagious virus that can have serious symptoms and has also caused some deaths. This means that in order to limit the virus's transmission, our churches have not been able to hold in-person worship or other activities in the church buildings. We want to keep our parishioners and our neighbors safe. Clergy and leading lay people have had to learn other ways to offer worship, pastoral care, faith formation, outreach to neighbors, and more. In cases where they use internet technology, like online meetings, um, such as we're using right now to be safe, they have had to learn how to use these 
platforms in creative ways and in fact teach themselves even how to, to use them at all. Um, so because uh, weekly worship is not bringing people together physically in a building, churches are not passing the plate physically in a literal way on Sunday mornings. And further, people are, many people are less aware of how hard their pastors are working, which is really even harder now under these circumstances. So if stewardship was a difficult subject before, it's even more challenging now. And just for some information on how this affects the United Methodist Church across the connection, and particularly in the United States, uh, apportionment giving received by the general church agencies, and these serve the United Methodist Church all around the world, these uh, receipts have fallen significantly since the first of this year. General church apportionment receipts in the United States dropped about $3.2 million compared to the same period in 2019. Um, April saw the steepest decline. The collection rate was down 26% compared to last year and 45% compared to 2017. Uh, but I will say, I'm very happy to say that Susquehannock United Methodist uh, contribution to ministry shares has declined only a small bit, not nearly to the precipitous rate as seen in other parts of the United Methodist Church. And I'm very impressed with our Susquehanna United Methodists to their commitment to the ministry we all share. So, Scott. What factors challenge church's encouragement of generosity at this time uh, that one pastor I know calls the season of COVID? What, what about COVID affects giving? Well, you, you, you said it yourself, uh, Victoria. You talked about not, not having folks together in one place with that usual passing of the, the plate that occurs. And so what we, what we discovered was that uh, churches that were not prepared with significant online giving already in place, they had to really scramble. And, and I, so I think what you were talking about is exactly, exactly what uh, churches were faced with. People aren't gathering together and there isn't that, that passing of the plate for them. Uh, so what are some ways that uh, clergy and leaders in this church, how can they address these issues? Good, good question. And one of the, a, a couple of the ways that are really fundamental, and in, in some ways, Victoria, they're really some of the same things that we would be recommending uh, COVID or no COVID, uh, it's just been accelerated. It's been accelerated. And one of the, the most important is the telling of ministry stories. People give, and this is COVID, non-COVID, people give because they want to know that their money is making a difference in people's lives. They don't give to budgets. They don't give to buildings, you know, they give to ministry. And so one of the things that we've spent a great deal of time doing over the last couple of months 
is really helping churches tell their ministry story. Specific stories, specific people of how people's lives are being changed and impacted. And some of the some of the things that, that happen are just amazing when churches begin to do that. Uh, you have a natural time to do it when you're, when you're doing a, uh, an online worship service, for example. We suggest they do it as a prelude to the actual offering. Now, this may come as a surprise or not, but we actually had to tell some churches to have an offering during their online worship. Some didn't even, didn't, hadn't thought to do that. And so have a time for that online offering. And before you do that, you tell a story, an impact story of ministry. What has been really neat to see has been churches that have been surprised by significant dollars coming in from people who have never set foot in their church. Wow. Uh, one of the churches that I'm, that I'm working with uh, in this conference started a, an, a, a feeding program. They had, they had one and they started another one during the week. And the pastor began to talk about that. And he would use that during the offering. And there came, money came in from people who never attended the church, but they happened to uh, tune in online. They heard the story, and guess what? Money's, money's coming in. And I hear that time and time again from churches. So the, the number one thing I could say to churches is tell, tell the ministry story of how people's lives are being impacted by your ministry. Uh, that, that's the best thing that, that you can do. Wow, that is really interesting. And that uh, made me think of two things. One is um, the whole topic of asking people who are not members uh, to give. And here's people who maybe no one in the church has met and who are giving. So can you comment a little on that? Sure. The, and it, it's, you know, when, and it goes back, I guess, some, in, in some ways to this whole idea of people being afraid to talk about money. And what I try and encourage folks to understand is it's not talking about money. It's talking about your ministry. And in your talking about ministry, you then do what I call connect the dots. You help people understand that the church is able to do this because of your generosity. And so you say, thank you. Thank you. Because you give, this is what's happening. Would you care to partner and join with us in this incredible opportunity? And so it's that way of asking that I think is, is so, so very different. Um, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes I see pastors that, that feel as if they're trying to manipulate or they're, they're afraid that they're making people feel guilty 
or, or shame or something like that. And, and I continue to say, that's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. And so, Victoria, I like to ask this question. I say, do you believe that you have an answer to a world that is broken and hurting? And if so, isn't that worth investing in? Isn't that worth investing in? And, and when people begin to hear that, they want to participate. They want to participate and, and be a part of that. And so this is a time for churches and, and pastors to be bold and to be courageous and to believe that. And, and, and this just isn't with the pandemic, but this is with everything that's going on right now. Do we really believe that we have the answer? And I hope and pray that we're, we're saying yes to that. And then, gosh, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I ask people to support that? Why wouldn't I ask people to give? And they do, they give. I was, I was talking with a church in Michigan. It's, it's one that I work with. And the pastor was, was actually, and this is a great idea, okay? This is a great idea. Um, at this time of reopening and transition, I suggested to, to the pastor that they do a, a financial update via video email. Okay? And uh, because people are going to click on that, research tells us they're going to click on that video email quicker than they're going to read, you know, a, a, a long lengthy email or a newsletter. And so they did it, and it was so cool because one of the things the pastor talked about is he said, I just want you all to know that I just received, we received in the mail uh, a check from a person for $1,500 and said that they had been, this person had never set foot in the church. They had some extra money. They wanted to give it to an organization that was making an impact. And so they started to ask some of their friends. And their friend said, you should give that to Clarkston United Methodist Church. And so they sent that check to the church. And then the person said, and I want you to know, as soon as, as, soon as we open, you're going to see me in worship. Isn't that cool? That's Isn't a, that a wonderful story. That's amazing. What's even better about the story is it's true. <laughs> yes. It reminds me of a church I was part of in uh, the Chicago area. And they found out that they got this bequest from a will from someone they'd never heard of. Mm. And it was quite generous. And so all you can think is the church made a difference in someone's life they didn't even know. And mm -hmm. so how important that is not just to receive money, but to right. <laughs> the importance of you realize you made a difference. Yeah, that's right. So uh, you talk about doing an offering during online worship. So how does one do that online? Well, um, really it's, uh, it, it's almost, it's almost no different other than you have to, obviously you're talking people through it and saying, you know, uh, during this time, uh, we believe 
that the way we give and our generosity reflects our love of God and our discipleship. And therefore, uh, we're going to take some time now to, to, to give you an opportunity to, to make your offering to God. And, and then one of the things that I, I encourage is that the pastor actually have on the screen and say out loud, these are the ways that you can give. And to have that, have that be ready and to have it be, be simple. Here's a, here's a tip. Uh, pastors and finance committees, I want you to, if you haven't done this, I want you to go online and I want you to make a gift to your church using all the giving platforms. You can divide it up. Have somebody, have somebody give by text, have somebody give, uh, you know, with the online portal, those kinds of things. Because I want you to, to check and see, one, how easy is it? If you have to do more than uh, two clicks, not good. I want you to look and see how the responses, what's the response that you get from the church? Most of my churches, I, one of the things that, that, that I've been doing, I've attended more church over the last two months than, I, than I've attended in the last 10 years um, because I've been trying to help and work with churches. And so, um, you know, I'll usually make a gift and then I check and see what the thank you looks like. And most, most of my pastors in finance, one, 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 one gentleman, he didn't even know that they sent out thank you notes. And then when he read it and got it, he was appalled because it was no different than what you would get from Target. Okay, it, you know, thank you for your transaction. You know, no mention of the church, no mention of thank you, no mention your gift changes lives, you know, thing, things like that. And, but boy, jumped in and you're able to change that. You know, so that's, that's, that's one of the things you do. Give, give folks those options on the screen and then give them, uh, give them verbally as well. Because you have some people who may just be tuning in uh, via audio and may only be hearing. And we wanna, we wanna pay attention to those folks. And the other thing I'm encouraging folks to do is don't forget to mention and thank the people who are faithfully mailing it in. You know, because there's still a strong segment of the population that is, that is doing that. And I've even had some churches that have set up actual um, secure uh, mailboxes outside that people can drop their money into. Uh, one church did it and they, they, they were frankly doing it more just to kind of as a marketing ploy to say they had it. The pastor was shocked when he went in and saw how many people had taken the time to drive by and put, put their money in that, in that safe, uh, safe and secure location. Uh, and, and then some churches are actually sending out a month at a time, they'll send offering envelopes to their people who, who they know are still, still using that. Again, trying to make it easy for folks to, to do that. 
And then always, always say thank you. Does that help, Victoria? Wow, that's that's wonderful. I think that um, a lot of folks haven't thought about how you do offering online. So I just think that's super helpful. And I also appreciate your advice that these options are tested in advance. So you know how it works and, and, and what those messages say <laughs> that you receive in response. So, um, and, and just a couple of other things about the online, Victoria, uh, go, go, go to your website, take a look at the website and we like there to be a give button in the upper right hand corner and that it be a different color. Uh, I, I go online sometimes and you almost have to hunt for the give button. Uh, upper right hand corner and have it, be a, have it be a different color. And then I would also encourage churches, uh, fortunately most of them are over this now, but so many of them have had this red bar across the top of their website and it's like this nuclear warning, you know, due to pandemic, church is not you know and and i have had to tell tell churches please change that you can say you know with the current pandemic crisis our church building is closed but the church is alive and well i mean i've i've seen where they say church is closed well put a for sale sign in front of it i guess then you know but no church isn't closed uh, make it, make it positive and appealing. Boy, that is such good advice. And that's about marketing in the, in the best sense of the word. It, it really is. What do you want people to know about your church? And like you said, if it says it's closed, I think people are going to think there's no operating church. It's done. Yeah. Um, and if that's not the case, um, and you want people to be involved, you better think about how you're um, telling about your church and, and those messages. So what story, what story are you trying to communicate? Exactly, exactly right. So here's another question. And I think this is not just related to COVID, but I think it definitely has a relationship to it which is who, who should do the asking uh, to encourage generosity, especially at a time like this when there's not as much face-to-face -face interaction? I think that's a, that's a great question. And I think there, there are really two answers to that. One is it, it needs, to be, uh, needs to be pastoral pastor needs to be involved in making that ask. But secondly, there also needs to be laity involved. One of the, one of the best ways to utilize laity in, quote, making the ask is by simply asking them to tell their story about why they give. You know, to, to simply say, what I'd like you to do, you don't have to talk about amounts. If you want to talk about the fact that you're a tither, great, that's fine. But what we really want you to do is talk about why. Why do, you, why do you give? Why is it important to you? 
and then to encourage other folks to join you in, in doing that. One of the things that I will often ask when, I, when I'm talking with people, if I find out that they're a, a tither, I'll often ask why. And usually it's, they were either raised that way, or the, the second is because they heard a colleague or a peer talk about it and challenge them. And they, they realize that, hey, if, if, if my friend can do this, I can do this. And I wanna join them in this, in this journey. And so I think it really needs to be, Victoria, it needs to be a question of both in terms of pastors and, and laity. You know, if, uh, and, it, and it, should, it should frankly start with some of your lay leadership. You know, we often say that leaders have to lead and they need to be willing to stand up and be, be counted in, especially in this kind of a, this kind of a crisis. So it also sounds like what you're saying is not that lay people should be buttonholing people, um, but they're just really telling um, a story about something that they're excited about, and hopefully that excitement comes out, uh, and that's, you, you might tell anybody that story, not even in a context of encouraging them to join you in giving. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. You know, it's, um, I was doing a workshop in, it was actually one of our, one of our churches, one of our uh, Susquehanna Conference churches, and they were talking about how they have a hard time talking with people about, about money and the church. And I went outside, it was over the lunch break, and we were outside, and I overheard one of the guys talking about the new car he had just bought. And he was so excited. He was so excited about this new car, and he even went and told them how much he paid for it, what his discount was. And, and it struck me, it's like, wow, we'll do that, but God forbid we talk about our giving to the church. And it's like, wait a minute, do I really, again, it goes back to do I really believe my church has the answer for a world that is hurting and broken. And if I believe that, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to ask and shout that from the mountaintops? And as I think you pointed out, there are people who are waiting to hear stories and like that. That's right. There are people that want to give and support. In fact, you know, the, the, the thing that we're seeing is that, um, our people are generous. They're giving. The problem is they're giving to a lot of different organizations than the church. I was flabbergasted when I was working with a church and I was interviewing this couple and they were giving significant dollars to their church. But the, the woman told me, she said, Scott, she said, the truth of the matter is, and she told me the number, they gave X amount of dollars and it was a lot. And she said, but the truth is a church is number 12 on the list. Wow. I said, wow. And, and I, I said, so tell me why. 
because I really believe in the mission of these other organizations. Wow. And I don't believe that the money that I'm giving to my church is going to go the places that I believe is going to have the most impact. And that's sad. Gosh, yes. Yeah. That, that, that's sad. Which makes me think uh, I've been in a lot of churches where the way, you know, there's a stewardship campaign in the fall. That's kind of the only time it gets talked about. And um, it's led by like the treasurer of the church and talks about the budget, which to me, you know, I think, but it's not about meeting a budget. No one wants to give to meet a budget. Why, why really are we doing this? Now I'm sort of on my uh, stump here, but isn't this an issue really or a topic of Christian discipleship? Amen. That's, that's exactly what we believe. And that's exactly what we teach. And one of the, um, try, not, not, to do a, not to do a sales pitch, but that's, that's one of the, the things that we really like to do is help a church lead an annual giving emphasis that, that does exactly that. It connects it up, connects it up to discipleship as, as you just said, uh, and isn't just a reading of the budget or a financial report. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm not that far off. Just want to let folks know who are listening. We'll just take a quick break. You're listening to UMC Ministry on the Cutting Edge, a podcast of the Susquehanna Conference of the United Methodist Church. We present ideas worth sharing from people in our conference who are doing creative and inspiring ministry and from experts in the wider United Methodist Connection. Uh, this week, we're talking about a subject that sometimes people in the church prefer to avoid, stewardship. But we are talking about how it, what its significance is specifically in the season of a pandemic and the challenges that provides. And I think you will find that this discussion removes the, the scary mask and reveals what is actually inspiring about stewardship. Yeah. So um, it, it reminds me also when you talk about stories, I was in this little church and I was part of this church. And uh, they decided, and I don't even know that this was part of stewardship, but they were going to have the series where they had people who were invited in advance to come forward and talk about what the church meant to them. Mm -hmm. At the end of this, I don't know, four weeks, a teenage girl stood up. And this is a kind of a shy young lady you didn't really hear from. She just spontaneously stood up and talked about how much the church mentor now i think maybe there were two other teenagers in that church was mostly older adults and you know how much the these people in the church mentor and they were like grandparents to her i mean the jaws were just you know hanging down and i don't think there was a dry eye in the house but it's you know it was a very genuine story about what difference it made, and I think giving did go up after that. Not she didn't even make an ask; she just wanted yeah. people to know. Yeah, that that that's exactly right. Um, I was I was doing a 
a, a debt campaign of all things in Texas, and it was for a youth center. And I had asked the youth pastor, I said, I said, get me a, get me a video of a young person whose life has been impacted. And in the meantime, the pastor who had been there for years was being reappointed, and he was being reappointed in the middle of the year. I show up to lead this meeting, and everyone is in tears. They're upset. They're angry. And I have no clue what to say. And the, pa right, the pastor comes up, the, the youth pastor comes up, he says, hey, Scott, uh, you asked me to shoot a video. I've got one. Would you like to see it? I said, yeah, because I'm, I don't have anything else to say at this point. And he, he puts in this, this video, and this, this young woman comes on the screen. She gives her name, and she says, she begins to talk about her, her life of, of abuse and what had happened. She talked about how she wanted to end her life at the age of 14. And then she said, someone invited me to this church. And then she looks in the screen and says, for the first time, I knew I was loved. And she says, thank you, First Church, because you saved my life. And we, ra we raised more money under those circumstances than we did in the first one. And it was because of that, that story of, of impact. One of the things, Victoria, that churches can do is uh, I recommend that at every, every council meeting, leadership meeting, if you have staff, anytime you meet with your staff, when you meet with you know, Sunday school teachers, always, always, always ask for stories of people's lives that have been impacted. Now, there, there's almost always gonna be silence when you first start to do this and you just have to, to put up with it, okay? And, but, but stay the course. And what will happen is that will become one of the best things that you do. And it'll be the thing that, you, that, that your leadership and your council and ministry meetings, it's the, it's the thing they'll like more than anything else. Because that's, wow. that, that's why they do this stuff. Most people don't just like to be on the trustees or on the fine. They do it because it makes a difference. Wow, that's a great idea, and I appreciate your saying, keep at it if it just gets crickets the first time or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, because um, it will, it will. <laughs> but it'll pay off. So what are some other uh, best practices that you would recommend churches engage in uh, during this time? Uh, one, one a, couple, a couple of other things that, uh, that we would strongly recommend would be to, to keep that kind of contact with your people. Uh, you know, it's, and, and many of our churches are doing a really good job of doing that. I know churches that are set, that have set up uh, phone trees, phone contact with folks. Uh, they have people calling shut-ins, uh, just checking, just checking in on people. Uh, one of my churches, the entire leadership council, has divided up their active membership and is, is regularly in contact with them. 
it's, I, I just love it when I actually have had lay people who say to me, Scott, it's really strange, they say, because we're not meeting together in, in person in the building, but I feel more connected to my church than I ever have before. And I think it's because of the intentionality that some of our churches are putting into making sure that, that people feel that way. So that would, that would, be, that would really be uh, important. And a, a second one would be to have that kind of contact with your uh, financial leaders and your ministry leaders, uh, because you wanna make, continue to make sure that, uh, that they are in the loop that they feel uh, they feel like their um, their opinion matters in in what's happening and going on. A lot of folks don't realize Victoria, but church analytic firms tell us that about six percent in the average church, six percent of your givers give about forty percent of the dollars. And we're not saying that they deserve favoritism or anything like that but you certainly want to make them know that they are connected that they're informed and that they have voice and so to do some of those kinds of things is is really uh it's really helpful sometimes i found we're we're afraid to go to those folks you know, we, we don't mind going and asking somebody who has a beautiful voice to sing on the choir, right? Right. But somebody who, who may have resources that the average person doesn't have, we, we hesitate. But again, to believe that we have the answer and that we're doing something significant, then yeah, why, why wouldn't I want to go and just have that kind of conversation? Because it really becomes it's pretty cool. It becomes about faith. And when I can, when I can have a pastor who is willing to go and have some of those conversations with some of those uh, financial leaders, they always come back and say, Scott, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And I, and, and I wish I'd been doing it more regularly, more often. That's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I um, am aware of someone I know who's part of a church and, and has means, and I was part of an organiz a church-related organization raising funds for a very um, good ministry. And afterward, this person said, well, why didn't anybody ask me for a lead gift? You know, that person really wanted to do it. Um, and And that made a big impression on me. There are people who are waiting to be asked, would love to be part of it. They are, yeah. And sometimes it begins with just saying thank you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just beginning saying thank you. And that would be, that would be another piece, Victoria, that I would, would strongly encourage my churches to do is to, uh, we call it being donor-centric, but in how you say thank you, don't thank somebody because of their, they're given a lot of money. Thank them for who they are. Thank them because they have a, a generous spirit and a heart. And don't put the focus 
on the budget, but put the focus on them and say, Victoria, I just wanted to say thank you. Because of your generous spirit and faithful heart, we're making a difference. And then tell a story. And, and don't make another ask, you know, in that just say thank you. And it, 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 it's amazing. One of the things that nonprofits can teach us, and they, uh, there's actually research by a person named Penelope Burke, and Penelope has said that in her research, the, the number one reason people give a second gift is because they were thanked for the first gift. That's, that's important. That's important for our churches to, to understand. And that's why one of the things that I hope they, all of our churches have is a, is a, a way and a method so that on the pastor's desk, they see who the first time givers are. And that's especially important right now because churches are getting more first time gifts now than they've ever gotten before because of online giving. And so that's even, even much, much more, much more important. And that just, uh, it makes sense. It just, you know, you, you just like you, you learn, your, your parents teach you, write it, write yeah. a thank you note. <laughs> Say thank you to so-and-so. That's what we said. We said, look, if, if you can't do anything else, think about sending a thank you note to your grandma, to your, to your aunt and uncle who send you a birthday gift. You know, you, want, you want to keep the birthday gifts coming, right? He's like, you're going to send a thank you note. <clears throat> and also uh, that I think you raised a good point, too, about those first-time givers that may have never been inside the door of the church. What, a, what it must mean to someone like that to know they were seen in a way, mm -hmm. um, even though maybe not literally. Um, right. They're they did something and it, and it makes a difference. It does make a difference. And it begins, it begins a relationship. It, it, it's the beginning of a relationship that it, it really becomes about ministry where the, the same church in Michigan, the, the pastor did that with one of his first time givers. And the person was having an issue with, uh, with an autistic child, they came and talked to the pastor about it, and there was ministry happening, uh, and it just, it was so cool, but it all started, you know, with the recognition of that, of that first-time gift. Wow, that, that's amazing. Really, um, sounds like it helped that person feel connected and uh, built trust, it sounds mm -hmm. like. Yeah, it, 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 it really does. And it's not just building trust, you know, with the church, but there's the ability for that to begin building trust in God, mm. and in grace and in love and, and the things that we know are so very, very important, especially during times like this. Absolutely. And it reminds me that that's what church is about 
when it's at its best is relationships. And that's what our life in God is about, a relationship with God and God's people. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. So in, some ways, so in some ways, when people say, well, what do you want to, what should we do during this time? I say, well, pastors, be the pastor. Be the pastor in different ways. You have to do it in different ways now. Church, be the church. Be the church. Uh, again, different ways, different context. But that's, that's what we're asking. That's what we're hoping for. So it sounds like uh, helping people think back almost to the whys, uh, you know, well, why are we the church? And okay, we're not, we can't go through the motions, not that they necessarily were, but you know, we, get, we all get used to our habits, but to think about, well, if the why is to introduce people to God's people, to make a difference in the world, um, there's still opportunities to do that. And what are those? Well, and, and, and right now you can argue that it's even a greater opportunity. You know, this, this is, I think this is an opportunity for mission and evangelism that is almost unparalleled in, in our lifetime. And I just think it's an incredible, incredible opportunity for uh for churches right now and to to really to really make a make a difference a significant difference for folks so say a little bit more about that especially given the challenges of social distancing well it's there a couple of things one is there's a there's an opportunity right now that that we haven't had in a while and that is change has been forced on us you you know victoria that that change is anathema in some churches right it's just it's 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 the the one word you just can't talk about but right now i find churches to be more open to change than probably ever before because they've been forced into it okay so so to be bold. Now is a great time to be bold and try new things. Now is a great time to say, we're going to take a look at the way we do ministry. And we're going to begin to ask some tough questions. One, what's working? What's connecting us with our people and what's connecting us with the wider community and the world. Number two, what's not working? And so this becomes an opportunity perhaps to stop doing some things that frankly haven't been very effective in a long time, but it's just been that thing that we've always done. And so of course we can't end it. And now is an opportunity to do that and begin to then say, okay, what, what can we do differently? What may, be, what may God be calling us to do in a new way, in a new ministry? And then we begin to shift and redirect our funds. 
And I guarantee you that that's going to encourage people to give even more. Because people know when, when something isn't particularly effective and they know when they're having an impact, especially if you're telling the story. And so that's why I think this is a great, great opportunity uh, for churches right now. And I appreciate how that ties uh, generosity and opportunities for giving to always keeping, churches always keeping its eye on what are we here for anyway. That, that's exactly right. That's, in, in, in my not so humble opinion, the most important question is never how or how much or what, but the most important question is always why. You know, why, why should I give period in this day and age when, uh, you know, I may be losing my job or economy is down, you know, why should I give period? And secondly, why should I give to you? Sure, yeah, as you mentioned, there's so many opportunities and organizations that do a good job of helping people know. That's that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that raised another question for me, which was that whole uh, reality that there are people who have lost their income due to the, the results of the pandemic and social distancing, which I'm guessing uh, makes it even more challenging for clergy and, and lay people to ask encourage well ask for generosity um when they know people are struggling any thoughts on that well the the in in, in I, I think what has to happen is you always are sensitive to that reality and you know it as long as you're sensitive to that reality and you can name it and you can say that may that may be the case for, for you. And in that case, we're here to help you. You know, but the, I, I mentioned to you earlier, Victoria, before we even got started on this, that while nationwide numbers are, are down significantly for churches in terms of giving, I am, I am just so thrilled because the churches that I've worked with, uh, I could give you a list of 10 or 12 that giving is actually where it was at this time last year or even ahead. And so it's a, it's a question I think of helping people be responsible and helping them to, to say, I've been blessed. I've been blessed through all of this and maybe this is an opportunity for me to give back even more and to have resources to reach out to some of these other people in our congregation that haven't or in our community. And so it's, it's, it's really been amazing to see and to watch uh, because I, I think we can do it. I think it can happen. And clearly it has. Got it has. For that. That's, that's <laughs> and, and continues to. Yeah. So it sounds like that Christian virtue of generosity is also connected to that virtue of gratitude. Oh, amen. Well, you see on my wall, uh, 
that's I, I'm I'm in Horizons. I'm known as the the gratitude guy um, because I will always say that generosity begins with gratitude. It begins with understanding that everything I have is a gift. It's all Amen. it's all gift. Amen. So we've talked a little bit about. Uh, some mistakes that churches have made. Um, are there any others? And I ask um, just at, because it's an opportunity to learn. Um, <laughs> and is there one thing that makes the biggest difference? Well, the, the biggest difference, I'll, I'll just go back to, to telling the story. Telling the story and also helping, as I said earlier, connect those dots connecting the dots with ministry and with impact so that people understand where their dollars are, are really going and how that, how that makes a difference, that that's the, the biggest. And the mistake that, that I see in churches is this fear that in the midst of this time, I can't talk about money or I shouldn't talk about money uh, because people are going, and I, I, I just, I, I don't see that, and I don't see that happening. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's real. So as churches in, or I should say counties in our conference start to enter to what the Commonwealth calls the green phase, which doesn't mean yay, everything's over, we're going back to what we used to do. There's yeah. still some limitations, but some churches have some opportunity to do some kinds of opening up. So what are three or four things that churches can do to uh, inspire continued generosity and faithfulness? Well, number one, I would say make sure that you are, uh, don't, don't be one of the churches that's like the Israelites uh, in the Old Testament. They say, "Ah, oh, thank God, now we can go back to Egypt." Okay, we 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 don't we don't want that. Um, Good point. This, you know, you want to continue, for example, to really do some kind of online worship. When, when most of our churches go back, and I've got some that are going to be going back this weekend, it is not going to be church as we know it. And you better be preparing your people for that. Let them know what to expect. Let them know there will be social distancing. There will be masks. There will be no handshaking. There will be no passing of the plate. Have you come up with an alternative way to receive the offering with no passing of the plate? Which is going to mean, again, that during that offering talk, you're going to want to, if you have screens, you're going to want to have all that stuff on the screen again, and you're going to want to talk about it again. And so you're going to have to continue to do those, those kinds of things. Uh, and secondly, don't, don't, think you can get rid of your online. You're going to have a strong percentage of people who are going to prefer to continue for the time being to worship online. Uh, even some of the largest non-denoms, a, a good friend of mine 
is uh, part of a, uh, one of the, the top 10 growing churches in the country in Florida. And he said they're planning on about 50 to 60 percent. Uh, wow. Only 50, only 50 to 60 percent of their people actually coming back. And so you better ha you better continue to have that online presence. And I would I would argue that you want to continue to have that really. It it, it needs to be the new normal. Mm. Because of, because of reaching new people in the community that that have not and will not perhaps set foot into your building, and maybe it brings across that there was never really a normal anyway. That's well, and yes, I think that's a great that's a great point uh, because again that that allows us to say change is okay and maybe change is the new normal. Or it always was the normal, even oh, if it weren't. <laughs> that's exactly right. It always was, always was. We just, didn't want, we just didn't want to face up to it. That's right, that's right. Good point. So, uh, well, what, what can the general church, or especially what can the annual conference do to help uh, pastors and church leaders through these challenges, especially as it relates to generosity? I think it's one is to con continue to give out good information, uh, you know, continue to uh, do some of the, you know, helping churches with the PPP loans and, you know, forgiveness, uh, because there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of misinformation out there. I think secondly, one of the things they can do is, uh, and hopefully will do and are doing, let's take care of our pastors. Mm -hmm. Because I know that pastors are tired, that they have been, they've been working harder than they've ever worked before and doing new things that they've never had to do before. Uh, you know, not only were there no classes in seminary, typically for generosity and stewardship, there was certainly none on how to deal with a pandemic that that we know for sure. And, you know, so this is this has been a this has been a tough time. And I would hope that they would find ways to really affirm and uplift and care for uh, for our pastors and for their for their families. And I'm very appreciative that churches are understand or that judicatories are understanding the need uh, to give some financial breaks to our churches during during these kinds of times. Yeah, and I'm grateful that the Northeast jurisdiction has been able to let our conferences know that they need not pay apportionments to the jurisdiction for the remainder of this year. They're fine. And they know that uh, people, churches are in a situation where if, uh, you know, they have a lot of ministry to do during this time and giving is challenging. Uh, you know, it just seems like there's so many things we could talk about. And um, this has been a wonderful conversation and it makes me wish we could spend another hour on it and maybe we'll be able to come back. Um, and, and I think it, it really is exciting because it really is about, just like you said, about the wonderful things our churches are doing, uh, the opportunities we have 
to make a difference, our calling to make a difference, and how there are a lot of people who are not part of an organization like a church that's making a difference and are hungry to be part of that. Amen. So let's see. And thank you, Victoria, and the conference for providing this kind of an opportunity. You ask what, what annual conferences can do, and I think providing this kind of very tangible help is critical. So thank you for being, being a part of that. Well, we're, we're pleased to. Um, so Scott, uh, Scott McKenzie, I'm grateful for your willingness to uh, demystify stewardship for us, and especially in a, a very challenging time that we're in now with the pandemic. Um, again, Scott is partner and senior vice president of Horizon Stewardship, and you can find some helpful guidance on generosity during the COVID season if you check out their website, giving365.com, and it has a separate COVID-19 tab with everything churches really need to, uh, really need, including, um, uh, it also has a very a separate, very complete section on the Paycheck Protection Program loans. I think that's what the PPP stands for that were offered by the Small Business uh, Administration. I know we have uh, pastors who've had some questions, you know, what are the next steps? So again, that website is giving365.com and we encourage people to, to check that out. And so we encourage folks to watch out for our next podcast, which will be on Fresh Expressions. And this will be hosted by Gary Shockley. Fresh Expressions are new forms of church that emerge within contemporary culture and engage primarily with those who don't, quote unquote, go to church. There are some fascinating things going on in Fresh Expressions you'll want to hear more about those. Thank you for listening in. Thanks again for to Scott for giving us a lot to think about and a lot of ideas that we could put into practice right away. Uh, may you all see God at work in your world. Amen. Thank you. Bye-bye.